This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from Radio America. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, Chris Sutton, Bean Kenny and Corman, and Jason Miller, Edge. And uh, Mark, will you please give us a rundown on who we have on the air with us today, please? Sure, Herb. Today we have Jeff Grass, Chairman and CEO of Hungry, Kelly Miller, Director of Banner Public Affairs, Mercedita Rojas-Murray, CEO of Montage Marketing Group, and Steve Pasek, president of Pasek. Excellent. Let's get to know our first guest, Jeff Grass, chairman and CEO of Hungry. Jeff, what is Hungry? Hungry is the first ever platform that connects companies with top local chefs for business and event catering. Oh, interesting. And how large or how small is this organization? Uh, we're about 60 full-time employees, about 110 part-time, and over 125 chefs are on our platform. Wow. All right. Where are you from originally? I was born in Fairfax County, Virginia. How many brothers and sisters? One brother. Uh, younger or older? He's three years younger. Three years younger. And what was going on with you eight to 14 years old? Uh, from from eight to, to, to 12, I lived in Northern Virginia in a pretty typical childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the last two years, I lived in Alice Springs, Australia, in the middle of the outback. So you moved when you were 12, 13 years old to Australia from the United States. That must have been pretty tough and, you know, intimidating and stuff. I totally loved it. I had uh, an amazing experience. Um, Third day I was there, I had my very first girlfriend. So you felt special in Australia coming from America. I did. I did. You definitely felt, um, uh, you know, I was different than than many others there. And so uh, certainly felt special. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, what's that have to do with raising, how many dollars have you raised in your life for various businesses? I've started four venture-backed companies, over $100 million in, in funding raised. So the, what, what's, what's, uh, what's feeling special have to do with raising $100 million? <laughs> um, well, uh, it, it certainly makes you feel special if someone's willing to invest in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a complex and difficult sale. So once you are able to do that, it's, uh, it's, it's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, what, what are you thinking? So... How old were you when you first started to make money? Uh, probably eight, nine years old. I, I uh, had a lawn mowing uh, business with uh, my best friend Julius and um, sold tennis balls that we would collect from our backyard as we lived next to a tennis court. How did you sell tennis balls? Uh, we just had a stand out front of our house. So we had a big bucket filled with balls and we'd sell them for 10 cents each. And these were balls that you found? So kind of being resourceful of... Yeah, yeah, people, uh, again, we live right next door to a, a tennis uh, complex, and so as the balls came over the fence, we'd scoop them up and, and then run to the front yard and sell them. <laughs> now, in the green room, you mentioned that you were in several different sports around that age as well. What Tell us about that. Yeah, I was a, a big uh, sports person growing up, um, a lot of soccer, baseball, basketball in high school. What were, what were the lessons that you kind of learned from sports that you bring into the business world? Uh, I, I'd say being a team player, obviously, I think you know sports are, are instrumental in, in helping you learn how to work in, in a team environment. And uh, certainly in a startup world, um, you know it's critical to make sure every every player on your team is performing and 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 performing the role that you need them to perform. And do you have the same role now that you had then in sports, as far as leadership or player, or how's that evolved? No, I, I've certainly evolved more from from just a team member to over time becoming you know, more co-founder and then, then ultimately, you know, CEO and kind of leader of the business. Mm-hmm. Jason? So <clears throat> I understand you've been involved with uh, several startups to include a fraternity. <laughs> uh, what was your role in those businesses and how do you think that relates to things you picked up along the way in your childhood? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, all, you know, the, the fraternity was a, a fraternity I helped start in, in, uh, in college. Um, I've started four different companies. In all cases, I've been or have had co-founders. Um, 
So it's interesting, I guess, if you even look back to the very first business of my lawnmower business, I had a co-founder. So um, certainly, I, I guess I like to not do things alone. Mm-hmm. Mark? So you said uh, when you sold your first company, you just decided to take a year off. You know, yep. What's the philosophy that, that drove that? Well, I, I, I think you have to um, you know, set goals in life, but you've you got to really enjoy the journey. And so um, we had a, a nice opportunity with a, a great exit. And so two, two guys that worked for me that were good friends um, and I decided to take a year and, and go enjoy the world. Do you still have those friendships? I do. Um, one actually works for me at LiveSafe and one at uh, BuySafe. That's great. And so what drove you back into business if you were having such a good time enjoying the journey? Well, at some point, um, uh, uh, fun gets boring, I guess. Um, so, you know, actually, once we we were starting to go to a new country, a new city, and I realized I wasn't super excited about, you know, getting to know it. I, I decided it was, you know, time to, to get back to, to doing something. So I think there was a lack of feeling of accomplishing things after a while. So the, the fun of experiencing new things kind of wore off and, um, and wanted to get back and, and kind of create something new. So your businesses are all kind of purpose-driven businesses, and they're about helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what kind of philanthropic activities are you most uh, intrigued or interested or involved in? Yeah, I'd say there's there's two themes. On a personal front, it's it's um, it's giving back um, to my undergrad institution. I serve on the board there, um, two boards there at, at James Madison University, um, as I feel like they, you know, it was a very pivotal time of my life. It really was a formative time for me, um, and helping support other entrepreneurs. So I, I try to spend a lot of time um, helping others. Um, corporately at, at, at Hungary, our, our corporate commitment is to helping support the local communities we operate in. And so for every two meals clients order, we provide a meal to help fight hunger. And so we've actually provided hundreds of thousands of meals now um, across the five cities that we operate mm-hmm. in. Chris, what are you thinking? Um, I'm wondering where this philanthropic you know, expression in your business comes from. Was there something, did you have a role model growing up or a parent that kind of you know, was driving this passion to give back and help people? Well, it's interesting. My, my parents joke they don't know where, you know, this entrepreneur came from because my father worked for the U.S. government for 40 years. My mom was a social worker. Um, and so neither one, you know, were, were entrepreneurs. Um, but I, I guess, you know, in many ways I learned from them. You know, they were both, you know, my father was a you know, servant for our government. Uh, my mom was, um, you know, helping others. So perhaps some of that, you know, rubbed off on me along the way. Well, clearly your mom and the way she helped others is, is what uh, is mm-hmm. evidenced in what you're yeah. doing. So. Yeah, yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah, what's, 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 uh, what's meaningful to you? Where do you find meaning? What's meaningful? Um, in, in from a, a business or work perspective, it's, it's um, uh, it, it, it's around creating something that can have a positive impact on the world. Um, uh, as you mentioned, I like to cr- try to create organizations that are very purpose-driven or mission-driven. Um, for me, it's a great source of motivation. Um, I'm much more motivated by that and want to get up early and, and stay late um, by that than, than just the idea of sort of making money. By what? Um, by having a positive impact on the world. At, at Hungary, our, our core purpose is to improve the lives of everyone we touch. So we've actually helped you know, 125 chefs become entrepreneurs and start their own businesses and make far more income than they can you know, in a typical chef career path. We you know, are giving back to our local communities. We're helping create a great environment for our teams. Um, uh, it's uh, you know, helping solve the key pain points for clients that, you know, that, are, that are trying to bring food into the office to take care of their teams. So you think business is a win-win-win. You don't think business is win-lose, do you? No, I think it needs to be win-win-win. Um, you know, we take a very holistic approach at Hungary, it, and it really is about trying to ensure all the stakeholders in our, that we touch are winning. Um, and I, I think that helps us create a far better business model. Uh-huh. Jason, what else are you thinking? Well, I can't help but think about the, uh, the year abroad. Is there anything during that particular segment in your life that you saw abroad or reported with you that may influence you today? Well, well, living two years abroad and then you know traveling you know for for better part of a year abroad um, certainly exposes you to the fact that you know there's a lot of different cultures in this world, a lot of different types of people. Um, I think it uh, it changes your perspective. And I think you know Americans you know tend to think of the world through a very American um, you know mindset many times and. Uh, and really help you appreciate, I think, the, the diversity in the world. And, uh, and I'd say, you know, diversity and is something that, you know, we hold very dear at, at Hungry and, and at LiveSafe and companies that I'm, I, I lead um, is trying to create a very, you know, culturally and, and, you know, diverse across all different dimensions. Hmm. 
Well, if we were doing a good interview, what else would we be? What else would we be asking you? What am I missing here? In in terms of well, I understand what turns you on in terms of business. What what else? Do, where else do you find meaning in your life? I mean, you've started these businesses. You've evidently done very well. You know, you keep a balance in your life. You took the time off as opposed to starting the next business immediately. What else do you think of Mark? Is there a business in the back of your head that you're thinking about starting? Well, right now I have three businesses that are still operating, so it's um, there's not a whole lot of time for that. But uh, um, I would say I, it took me a little longer in life to get there, but uh, I now have a beautiful wife and, and two small children. Um, so I'd say they're my, my most recent startups. Mm -hmm. what's, uh, similar, uh, uh, what's the uh, website address of this organization? Website address of Hungry? Try Hungry, T-R-Y-H-U-N-G-R-Y.com. We've been speaking with Jeff Grass, Chairman and CEO of Hungry here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, the, one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you. This is John Schuhart. Joining us for our Business Spotlight is Alan Carey. Alan, who are you with? FishMe. And what is FishMe? We're a cyber technology company that focuses on human phishing defense. And what do you do for FishMe? I'm the vice president of business development. And what makes uh, FishMe so special? Well, a lot of organizations try and solve their cybersecurity challenges through more technology. We focus on the human element, which is the employees, and making them part of a, co a corporation's security strategy. So when did you ever think you'd be doing this? I sort of fell into this in 2000 when I graduated from business school and started covering the cybersecurity market as an industry analyst. And what do you love about it? This is an industry that continues to evolve. There are always challenges where uh, the hackers or attackers are trying to outsmart uh, the enterprises and their defenses. And we continue to come up with innovative technologies to deal with the problems and secure the enterprises. What makes FishMe better than your competition? We focus on a couple of things. One is technology innovation and always keeping the human or the employee in the loop uh, by giving them positive feedback so that they can change their behavior in the enterprise. What really, what really gets you up in the morning? I love working with this company. Um, I've been with a number of different organizations uh, previously. Uh, it's a great management team, good people. Uh, our customers love what we do for them. And we're just trying to connect the dots to make sure that we're effective in what they're already doing from a security perspective. What's your website? Fishme.com. This is John Schuhart, and this has been your business spotlight. We've been talking with Alan Carey of Fishme, and his website is fishme.com. 
We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Kelly Miller, Director of Banner Public Affairs. Kelly, what is Banner Public Affairs? What are you guys doing? So we're a full-service firm, everything from lobbying to communication strategy to digital um, mm-hmm. marketing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, kind of in the B2G space, mm-hmm. a lot of expertise in tech and defense. Uh-huh. Where are you from originally? I'm from Yellow Springs, Ohio. How many brothers town. and sisters? I've got one younger sister. Uh, what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? I was um, I was a theater kid that lo- wanted a lot of attention. <laughs> you were th- so the theater sort of like served the purpose of getting you a lot of attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. Help me rein it in a bit. Uh huh. So tell us, what kind of theater were you involved with? So uh, yeah, I grew up in a very small town with a lot of creative folks. A small college town in Ohio. So all of the um, productions every summer were were original pieces. So um, so so it was these plays would be put on this beautiful amphitheater in um in yellow springs and and that's that's what i was involved with so you these were original plays what 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 was the effect of the original plays on the i don't i don't get the connection there it, so a, a lot of creativity um, and working with people who are who are really passionate. You know, you're not just doing uh, Shakespeare again. I was working with directors who wrote these plays, spent the rest of their years, um, you know, kind of crafting these stories. And um, and then in the summer, uh, you know, you'd wrangle a bunch of a bunch of kids and put it to life. Mark. So you said in the green room that you really relished being the center of attention, enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. the time on the stage. But now you've your business is to making other people the center of attention. What was that transition? Why why is that uh, a thing for you? Well, it's funny because um, you know as as much as acting and and kind of the the, the theater was about. Um, you know, it was about showing your own talents. A lot of it was collaborative. You know, I would form extremely close bonds with with castmates with the with the crew with the you know music directors so um as 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 much as kind of acting itself as a solo project there's a lot of collaboration and a lot of kind of group think group creativity to bring that all together so that's your philosophy in the way your business works the banner works yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. It's um, you got to bring you know the expertise from everyone. We're really good at um, at you know storytelling and and kind of communication strategy, and um, and our clients are re- they know what they know really well. So it's just kind of bringing it all together. Chris, okay, I'd like to build a little bit more about the uh, collaborative environment mm-hmm. that you had in theater. So tell me a little bit about how you work with your clients in a collaborative way. So do we do a lot of brainstorming, a lot of um, what I kind of describe as, you know, offloading of, you know, empty your brain, tell us everything that we don't know. Um, You know, a communications person's job, you know, I'm not a technical person. I work with a lot of technical founders and a lot of my job is making um, what can be extremely complicated, um, you know, really very palatable and um, and like easily downloadable to um, to the end to the end client. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Kelly, what did your mom and dad do? Um, my mom was a uh, legal professor. She was a lawyer and uh, taught legal writing at the University of Dayton. And um, my dad is a research scientist at LexisNexis. And when you think about them and the kind of the characteristics, what do you get from each of them? So um, my dad's a very passionate guy, um, you know, uh, and, and what, what his job, he kind of combines a lot of psychology with technology, and I think to a degree that's what I'm doing. So I've got, I've got the kind of drive towards that intersection like he does. But um, my mom, um, sh- you know, she's very creative, kind of scatterbrained, and I definitely have a little bit of that too. I'm a little professorial-minded as well. Now you mentioned in the green room that you were active in cross-country. What mm-hmm. attracted you to cross-country? It's funny, um, you know. So, uh, so p- part of it was my dad told me I had to, s- to had to do one sport every year. So I was checking the box, and that that it was fun. You know, you spent a lot of time with your teammates. Um, even though you were running solo, it was. Um, you know, everyone counted for something, and there was a lot of bonding. You know, on these group runs, um, it was both kind of bonding and meditative. So I, I really enjoyed that. So it's interesting because most people think of that as being a individual sport, but you looked at that as a team sport. Yeah, yeah. Even though I was, I was never, I was never a top runner. I, um, I demanded that I be a co-captain my senior year and had a lot of fun just kind of bonding the team together and you know having group activities and spaghetti dinners and girls nights. So mm-hmm. yeah. Jason, 
So it <clears throat> sounds like you've been in creative marketing since your early days. And with that being said, are there any tactics that you employ today that you think uh, influence uh, the way you conduct your business now? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think I'd, someone said this in the green room, everything kind of comes down to sales. And I think that's true, but it's also storytelling. So. Um, you know, just like when I was a kid and if you're trying to get your parents to let you do something, you have to, you have to advocate for yourself and your position in a certain way. Um, I think now I help clients do that. I help give you know, us a an lot example of, of how you advocated for something when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah. a specific example. So I, I'm thinking right now of, um, of Halloween one year when I was never allowed to, you know, go out without parents. And, um, I was trying to figure out how can I just hang out with my friends that, that night. And, um, and, and one of my friends had an older sibling, so I decided to kind of sell that as my parents of, oh, you know, it's great. You don't even really have to worry about, you know, I'm good on the, on the you know, um, we, we've got someone watching over us because um, April's older sister is going to be with us. So, so what was your parents' reaction to that? I think they saw right through it, so hopefully I've gotten better at things I, since. I, I figured you probably wore them down, but it was a good, it was a good approach. It worked, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Mark, what else are you thinking? So is there a particular environment or experience or opportunity that you didn't get as a, as a child that you've been able to create through through Banner? Yeah, mm. sure. So I work I work a lot with startup founders. That's something I've focused on a lot the past um, year or so is building out how can Banner serve um, serve founders and how can we kind of help you know bring together expertise um, a lot of times for folks who are waiting on funding who don't you know every dollar counts so how can kind of we give them our best and then kind of help them better incorporate that into their brands so I love I love working with founders they're the most passionate people it's always the most invigorating conversations I have so I think I always wanted to be a founder myself but right now I just really love working with them it sounds to me it's that independent theater kind of stuff. You you like you like ideas is what it comes down to. The yeah. independent theater being able to bring it to life, working with these beginning entrepreneurs, helping bring things to life, tell the story. You like developing the story, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Developing and presenting the story, whether it's theater or entrepreneurial. Yeah. What kind of entrepreneurs do you work with? So I work with um, a lot of tech founders. Um, I, I work with, I, I love to work with um, women-owned businesses. I work very closely with Veneta Project, for example. That's a great organization in so D.C. So you work with, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter the uh, specific idea. No, it's, yeah. p- it's pulling together the story. Yep, totally. Yeah, but, yeah. So sometimes if they don't have the budget, you actually teach them to do this themselves. Isn't that bad business where you tell them all the secrets? <laughs> oh, yeah, but I, I, I love doing it. You know, it's it's definitely not a courtesy that Didn't we you give write to a bigger book? brands. Didn't you write a book? Yeah, I did. What's I did. the name of the book? I wrote a book. It's called Get Attention, Brand Building for Startups. And that, and I mean, who, that's... who wrote the book? I did. <laughs> and where's it available for sale? Where's it for sale? Getattention.co. Got it. Getattention.co. You wrote the book. Yeah. And what's it do? What's the book about? So it's all about organic tactics. It's about everything from kind of, you know, setting the stage for your communications journey of like answering the what do you do? Why do you do it? How do you do it? Um, it's a step that I see a lot of early stage founders missing. So it's really nailing the essentials and then growing from there. So you're laying the tracks for somebody not to need you. Yeah, exactly. Well, why would you do that? <laughs> I just love it. I love working with founders. I think entrepreneurs have a gene that I don't have, and I'm envious of it, and I just want to feed off of that energy. So. Well, that's what—that's one of the reasons it was pretty obvious earlier when Chris spoke to you about, you know, you, you really have this collaborative, in order, you really have this collaborative nature to help tell the story, so you do feed off. People feed off of you, and you feed off of people. It really is a win-win-win kind of situation, it is. isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and um so this book, how, how long ago did you write this book? I wrote this um, last October. So I wrote it in a month. So, uh, so you really put your mind to it, and it was mm-hmm. pretty obvious that you felt that there was a need for this. There t- definitely was. Uh-huh, yeah. because you had been doing this all along, and you just felt you wanted to organize it a little bit better, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. What's the website address of your organization? Uh, bannerpublicaffairs.com. Let me have that one more time. Bannerpublicaffairs.com. We've been speaking with Kelly Miller, Director of Banner Public Affairs here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we'll be back in a moment right after this break. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston 
Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why, why'd you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is, in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to, you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, it's organization. it's bostonbid.com. And, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more bostonbid.com. time. Bostonbid.com. It's B-A. Give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Boston Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, wh what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Wh what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on in one end of our business. And at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive News Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Mercedita Rojas-Murray. CEO of Montage Marketing Group. Mercedita, what is Montage Marketing Group? What are you guys doing? Montage Marketing Group is a marketing solutions company that focuses on experiential, doing marketing outreach, engagement, and advocacy. How large or how small is this organization? We have about 19 full-time and about 2,000 uh, nationwide part-time. Wow. Where are you from originally? Originally from Detroit. Uh -huh. uh, moved into Gross Point. Ah, uh, Detroit and then Gross Point. Oh, you moved uptown. Okay. <laughs> How many brothers and sisters? I am the second of four. Uh-huh. And what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old and why? Well, my parents immigrated from the Philippines uh, when I was born in Detroit. And growing up, my father was very politically active. Uh, while he was a physician and my mom was a nurse, he was lobbying uh, the U.S. government for f freedom in the Philippines, trying to promote democracy. So we would spend time in our basement running the mimeograph machine, uh, creating newsletters, and going how, to church. How young were you when you were doing that? Five, six, seven. So you're five, six, seven, helping run the mimeograph, the copier machine. Mm -hmm. And what do you think that did to you? 
Well, it really taught me a lot about passion and commitment and dedication to something that you believe in. Um, What's that have to do with building a business? Well, you can't build a business uh, just on um, bricks and mortar. You have to believe uh, and have values and, and believe in what you do so that you can stay committed to it mm-hmm. and have the passion to make it successful. How young were you when you started making money? Um, I was about 10. I um, you know, went around the neighborhood asking people who had kids if they needed a babysitter. Wait a minute. Wait, you're 10 years old and you're asking everybody if they need... Isn't it a little weird for a 10-year-old girl to go around and ask everybody if they need a babysitter? I don't think so. I think I saw that people had a need, and the worst that they could do is say no, um, and that's okay. So the rejection doesn't necessarily bother you. No, rejection is is a fact of life, and it's something that you, you know, learn from, and you you know find ways to to continue forward so that you get a yes. Mm-hmm. Chris, um, in the green room, you mentioned uh, when you were you know younger, you were a bit of a rebel. Can you share some ideas on what you thought about what you were saying? Yeah. um, When I was growing up, I had the perfect sibling. Um, My mother would always dress us in the same outfit, and she would always come home very pristine and clean, and I came home with mine in tatters, having climbed trees and, and dragged through mud. So what's that tell us about your personality? Well, I really wanted to find my own voice to, to f- have my own independence and do my own thing. Um, I didn't want to, you know, walk in the shadow of somebody else. So at Montage Marketing Group, are you a bit of a rebel there? Um, I believe that we want to make sure that we're doing things the way that we believe is, is the right way. It uh, might not always be the way that is always done, like off the shelf. Everything is custom. Everything is tailored. And if that means being a rebel and doing it differently, then that's what we do. Hmm. All right. Um, Jason, what are you thinking? So <clears throat> it sounds to me like you, uh, y- you like to be different. Yeah. Right. And uh, you had mentioned also in the green room that you like to make a positive impact. So what do you think makes Montage different and how do you control making a positive impact? Well, everybody that we work with um, in some way, shape or form leaves a positive impact on their stakeholders. And those are the only people that we work with. Um, The people that we bring into the firm, we expect them to see more than what's right in front of them. It's not just a task list of the work that they have to do. It is the passion, their commitment to do the right thing for their customer, Um, but also for themselves. We believe in cross-training, cross-promotion. We believe our people have a voice. Um, Recently, they raised that they believed that they needed to have more telework, Um, so we instituted a telework policy. Um, So for us, a positive impact means creating an environment in which people feel included, feel heard, um, and feel part of something. And that's the same of what we do for our customers. James? Mercedes, you mentioned that uh, you had moved from Detroit to Gross Point. Mm -hmm. People that aren't familiar with Detroit might not know how big of a change that is. How old were you when you made that change? We were probably around four or five, and it is a huge change. It's going across the street from kind of run-down buildings into, you know, lush green grass. Uh, So it was a huge difference, and it was... Um, really shocking for us as a family because we were one of very few diverse families in the neighborhood and so we grew up knowing that we were a little bit different um, and you know we had crossed over uh, the tracks if you will. How did that impact you? Um, I think in some ways at at first uh, you know I wanted to make sure that I was assimilating I wanted to you know my parents would speak to us in Tagalog we'd answer them in English Um, but what I realized along the way is um, understanding that your difference um, makes you stronger and makes you who you are um, that came to light later on in life. How did that come to life or later on? Well one of the things that you know in second grade I got into a fight with the school bully he made a derogatory comment and I punched him in the nose. Uh, I got called into the principal's office and I'm the one that got um, (coughs) punished. But my statement was, you know, why is it okay for somebody to say something derogatory because of who I am versus, you know, taking a physical act. And so it was kind of one of those light bulb moments uh, that stay with you that make you kind of realize how important it is to stand up for yourself and have that voice. So how do you bring that strength to your organization today? So I want to make sure that, you know, our people understand what they're doing and the purpose of what they're doing and that that person, that purpose has value and meaning. And so with all of the work that we do, um, you know, we try to get to the bottom of what is it, what is the need, what are they trying to get at and make sure that the programs that we create 
um, are long-standing and not transactional or short-term or short-lived. <laughs> purpose, huh? I thought the name of the game was making money. You keep talking about purpose and mission and doing good, and what are you talking about? So, you know, money only gets you so far. Um, you know, it buys you stuff. It's very materialistic. But at the end of the day, when you look back on your life and you think about what you've been able to accomplish, you know, materialism is, is really not, for me, um, the purpose, right? I, I really believe in lifting people up. You know, my dad had this, this theory that you can give somebody a piece of bread and they come back to you hungry the next day. But if you teach them how to make that bread, they'll never go hungry. So I really believe that, you know, creating the tools to, to make people better is important. Mark? So uh, were all your friends growing up tomboys like you? Um, no. In fact, I was one of those weird uh, chameleon-type people. I had friends across all different groups, from the athletes to those in student government to the nerdies um, to, um, you know, the socialites. And, and I just kind of roamed amongst all of them. What's it have to do with building this business? Well, I think you have to take into consideration that there's diversity in everybody and being able and open to accept differences without being judgy. Um, How does that help you serve your clients? It, it helps us serve our clients because it helps them. You know, when you, most of our clients um, have a diverse uh, makeup, um, they also are answering to diverse stakeholders, and, and we want to make sure that all voices are heard. When you, um, uh, I understand you're 19 core people in 2000 other people. How young were you when you were organizing all the other kids? It started very early in life. Um, you know, I in high school, I was part of the student government, and I was not the president, but uh, the president was a little bit disorganized. And so, you know, behind the scenes, trying to organize them and make sure that we were executing what we needed to execute was important um, so that we could get the work done. So this organizing, quote-unquote, behind the scenes really is what this business is all about, organizing behind the scenes, isn't it? It is. It is making sure that all the details and all the minute um, granular elements are taken care of and that you are, you know, making sure that quality is there. And quality can only be there if you know that you're doing everything in your power to make sure that everything is covered. Okay. Uh, your employees can work for lots of different companies. Why do they work at Montage? We take a long time in hiring our employees because we believe that we want people who have the same values and passion and commitment to the work that we do. We also want those who strive to be more, um, who aren't just checking a list and coming in and punching a clock from 9 to 5. Um, they work with us because, because of that passion. They also work with us because we believe in creating a, a good environment so that you know, family comes first, um, their growth and their potential, and, and realizing that potential is important to sounds us. Sounds to me like you know, your dad had a uh, mission that he got you uh, enrolled in. It sounds to me like that's what you're doing for your clients. You're, uh, you're taking on their missions, aren't you? We are, um, mm -hmm. every step of the way. Uh, you know, one of our um, projects is to support underrepresented populations in biomedical research to help them understand uh, the value of research and how it's what its impact is on precision medicine and how precision medicine so can you're, help them. You're also all, you're all about giving back, aren't yeah. you? It, it is important to how, give back. How, well, give us a real quick list of the organizations you're involved with. Um, I sit on the board of the Montgomery County Small Business Association, um, the CRMSDC uh, MBE, mm -hmm. and I'm also uh, doing a 50 and 50 project cool. supporting 50 people. Website address of Montage? MontageMarketingGroup.com. We've been speaking with Mercedita Rojas Murray, CEO of Montage Marketing Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. And your name is? Michael Del Pierre. And Michael, what's the name of your organization? Conversion Pipeline. And what do you guys do? What's Conversion Pipeline all about? We are a digital marketing agency. So give me an idea of what kind of clients you help and how you go about helping these clients. We have clients ranging from the small mom and pops all the way up to the Fortune 500 companies. And our main focus is uh, lead generation through online means such as paid advertising and organic search. So you're helping your customers, you're helping your clients generate customers online. And all this confusing stuff you hear about all the involvements that are occurring on the web, you're able to sort all that stuff out and present the opportunities to your clients? Correct. What we look at are other different areas where clients can generate leads and generate revenue, whether that's from social media, uh, utilizing Facebook, all the way to Google Paid Advertising, Bing, and other platforms. So you're aware of all the stuff that's going on on the web and you're talking to your clients about how you might be able to help them with this stuff. 
And you mentioned this is not the first time you've started a business. You've started previous businesses. So why, why are you doing this? It's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. You mentioned earlier also that you thought you could do it better. What are you talking about? I've seen how some companies service their clients and also seen how some companies do it right and some do it wrong. I think there's a certain way that you can grow the business where it benefits both entities, the business as well as the client. So you're interested in finding certain kind of clients that fit a certain kind of profile and then really servicing them. Correct. We look at ourselves as really as kind of like a virtual chief marketing officer. When mm -hmm. somebody needs help to be able to navigate the digital marketing platforms online, they come to us. How interesting. What's the website address of this organization? Conversionpipeline.com. Conversionpipeline.com. You're actually like an outsourced chief digital marketing officer. Correct. Let me have your website address one last time. Conversionpipeline.com. Conversionpipeline.com. And this is Herb Cohn. We will be back in a moment right after this break. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow Assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. To hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Steve Pasek, president of Pasek. Steve, what is Pasek? Pasek is a tax CPA strategy firm. Uh-huh. How large or how small is this firm? We have about 20 people with us right now. All right. Where are you from originally? Originally from Old Sabre, Connecticut. And how many brothers and sisters? I am the middle of three. And how young were you when you started making money? I was eight years old when I first had my free paper route that everybody in the entire community received that we were always afraid of making sure that we delivered on time so that we didn't get a complaint as an eight-year-old of someone not receiving their paper on time. So most paper boys or paper girls um, deliver a couple of papers in, in the neighborhood. You had to deliver 100%, otherwise you were going to get complaints. So you learned about being complete and thorough and on time at a young age, didn't you? At over 100 papers to deliver each week for a free paper, yes. Uh-huh. And, and you had a uh, second gig at the same time, didn't you? Well, I've always been fascinated with the institution of finances and money, and so I would always go around and collect all those cans and bottles and clean them up and put them in bags and cash them in for their deposits. Mm -hmm. So you know about hard work, don't you? Absolutely. Jim? So what type of uh, activities were you involved in as a youth? Um, I was on the soccer team. I was the captain there, um, and I also played the guitar. Okay, so captain of the soccer team is that something how did you get that role I was actually nominated and elected by my team members really so that meant that uh, they had some respect for you and kind of the leadership that you could bring to the team absolutely I had always have had a hands-on approach get down on your knees help them out do what they do never put never peacock you know always be yourself and be true 
So uh, curious where you got that. What, tell us a little bit about what your mom and dad. What do they do? My father was a nuclear engineer, and my mother gave up everything for us. Um, had my brother at the age of 19, so she was going back to school. So I learned my drive from my father and my honesty from my mother. So drive and honesty, how do you bring that to work today? Every day I know when I go home that I've worked the hardest I could and have been the honest, you know, I preach that, you know, just if people lie, you have to create more lies to lie. So don't lie, just tell it as it is. And a lot of people don't like to hear that right away, but they really appreciate it afterwards. Mm -hmm. So you run a relatively common CPA firm? We're not common CPA firm, which is why we've been around for about 19 years now. We're very relationship driven. We, you don't see your CPA once a year. We're very high technical. Um, we are very, um, we're talking to our clients all the time. And the team play people that are on our team, which are incredible to me, are all your highly technical CPA staff. Mm -hmm. Mark? So when you were a kid, what did you sort of imagine yourself being or doing, living your life as an adult? Always imagined myself as being a business owner. What did that look like? To me, it was the person sitting in the big leather chair and, you know, flying the private planes and going everywhere across the world. Was it about material things or, or your influence on others? Or did you have a big company, small company, a team? I always thought it'd be a really big company. Um, and unfortunately at that time when you're 14 years old it was more material focused than it was anything else it was to have those things and work hard to get them don't ever have anybody give you anything always go earn it mm -hmm. your, your imagination is always bigger than reality when you're a kid do you have any unmet expectations I, I do. I mean, we, I thought we'd be bigger than we, we are. I mean, we've got a very successful firm, but I've learned that being bigger in this industry does not necessarily mean more success in multiple measurements. Jason? So it sounds like you uh, <clears throat> found many ways as a kid to make money. Uh, when did you realize that you needed to have financial good world order that led you to becoming a CPA? When I first had my first savings account and it reached over $1,000, I knew that I could do this. How, how young were you when you, uh, when you had 1000 bucks in the saving account? I wasn't quite 10 yet. Uh-huh. And you had done that by making sure that these free newspapers got delivered. And a couple bottles and cans along the way. And we're, when you were thousands. getting a penny a piece. Right. You were getting a penny a piece to deliver those newspapers. Penny Jason? Piece. I'm trying to figure out how you saw the ability to make money by proxy of a free newspaper. Well, I ended up bringing in my brother um, relentlessly by his part because we were delivering at 5 o'clock in the morning so that we could get to school on time, and he ended up helping me out. Um, but that ended up cutting into the profits, et cetera, but I just could not get it all done because as the paper grew in popularity, and of course it was free, we got more given to us because the, the company knew that we'd deliver them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, were, they knew you could deliver the goods. Chris, what are you thinking? Was there a, a family member or other individual in your life that was a role model for you? Yes. I had an uncle. I have two uncles that are CPAs, and one of them was in the sales role model. And I, I really looked up to what he's done with his life. Right. What was it about what he's done that impressed you? Well, growing up as a kid, he had all the fancy cars and the fancy boats and the pretty wife and you know, everything of that nature. And you have all of that right now? No. Okay. <laughs> so it was it was a role model, but you created your own role. Yes. Based upon, okay. What do you mean you created yourself out of that role model? I had the drive from my parents who raised me um, along the way and knew what I could always get to by looking at what he had accomplished and knew that just a regular tax EPA wasn't one of those positions that you just had to except being in the office nine to five. So he showed you there were possibilities and then you sort of molded those possibilities to who you are. Correct. Uh-huh. And when you're, when, you, when you're doing your business modeling, when you're doing your business planning and business modeling of where you want to be next quarter, next month, next year, you're still doing the same thing, aren't you? You're still crafting like clay what this business should be considering you know what it can be versus what you really feel that it needs to be. Am I right about that? Correct. And, you know, you have to remember that when we started, when I started the firm, it was me, myself, and I as partners. I had no clients. I left from the big four, um, but left with their blessing, but did not take any work because that's not who I am. And I whoa, knew whoa, I needed whoa, to. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
So typically what happens is you go to work for a larger firm and then you leave with some clients. That's Absolutely. the way it's generally done. Why didn't you do it that way? Because I wanted to be a friend of the firm. I wanted to make sure that I never burned any bridges. And we work with them every month across Your the middle country. name is Mr. Ethical. It's like, you know, <laughs> these, these you, were, you were afraid these free newspapers weren't going to get delivered, so you brought your brother involved, you're picking up bottles, and you, didn't, you left this firm and you didn't want to damage the relationships there. Absolutely. Jim, what are you thinking? Steve, you mentioned that you work with a lot of professional athletes, and I imagine that that requires a lot of trust. What is it about your, you that you think allows them to trust you? I'm very direct and honest with everything that I tell all of my clients. They may not like to hear it at the, at the, point, at the point they're receiving it, but they always come back and acknowledge later that Steve's the only one that told to us straight. And Steve's the one, I've got clients that say Steve's the only financial person in my life that's made me money by saving them taxes and putting them into different strategies. So being honest and straightforward has, has put us different in the, in the practices out there. And that really has differentiated with you. How many professional athletes do you work with? Uh, over the over the years, over the last 25 years, I mean hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. Do ever do, do clients ever refer all their clients to you? They do. Why, why would they do that? Well, and we don't, have never taken out an advertisement or anything like that in the last 19 years. So everything is referral. So it's all about my reputation and my team's reputation. Um, yes, technical skill is always having to be there, but being there to support your client and when you Go to bed each night, laying down your head, knowing you did the best you absolutely could for every single client that day that you worked on. That's like making sure that every one of those newspapers got delivered. That's just in your soul. So um, the, the clients that you're dealing with, do you talk to them about stuff aside from their finances? Yes, we do all types of financial aspects. Now, we don't manage money. If somebody's looking to buy a car, do they ask you the best way to buy it? Yes. Um, if somebody's having, if somebody's giving birth today, talk to you about the financial planning aspects of uh, what they ought to be doing? Yes. Um, if somebody happens to be going through a divorce, do they talk to you about the ramifications of that? Absolutely. So you're like, you're not really a CPA. You're like a life counselor, aren't you? Financial life counselor who sets them straight. So you're, you're, you're a trust, you're truly a trusted advisor. And I I take that very serious every single day of my life. I just saw I just saw it written all over you. So this this thing about you know delivering what you sell and selling what you deliver, that's exactly who you are, isn't it? Yes. It goes back to making sure that every one of those newspapers got delivered on time, and you had to deliver a hundred percent of the neighborhood, didn't you? Correct. That's why you're so concerned about working, making sure every one of these clients is happy. Right. Uh huh. I just wanted to make sure I understood. What's the website address of this organization? Pasic.com, and that's P as in Peter, I A S C I K.com. Pasic.com. Give me that again. Take it slow again. P as in Peter, mm -hmm. I A mm -hmm. S as in Sam, C I K.com. And we've been speaking with Steve Pasic, president of Pasic here on Executive Leaders Radio. Mark, can you give us a rundown on who else we've had the opportunity of hanging out with today? Sure. We had uh, Jeff Grass, chairman and CEO of Hungry. Kelly Miller, Director of Banner Public Affairs. Marissa Dita Rojas-Murray, Rojas CEO of Montage Marketing. And Steve Pasek, President of Pasek. Excellent. I would like to thank my co-hosts, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, Chris Sutton, Bean Kenny and Corman, and Jason Miller-Ziage for giving me a hand structuring the questions Hope you're providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today. And have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.